Hey y'all, Liz Higgins here, and welcome to the Millennial Life Podcast, where my main goal is to share conversations that will inspire you and drive you toward the life and relationship you desire. I'm here to share what I've learned as a licensed therapist and relationship coach specializing in millennial relationships and wellness, as well as transformative conversations with other professionals. Thanks for listening and enjoy today's episode. I'm really excited for this conversation today because you have a history um, in doing some, I think, amazing work with men and relationships. And so the subject today of men and relationships is one that I've been wanting to do for quite a while. And we crossed paths through a a joint um, methodology, I guess you could say, that we are into. And people that have tuned into this podcast and and have followed me know what I'm talking about, relational life therapy. It has transformed my practice, my, my experience of relationship. And so I know that you are also practicing that in your work. That's right. Yeah, RLT has been uh, a revolutionizing elements in my practice as well. So it's really, it's also really helped with my work with men. Well, for people listening, um, I know my listeners don't know you. And so I just wanted to kickstart this conversation by letting you introduce yourself. Who are you? What is your mission? Tell us what you do. Okay. Well, I've been a practicing psychotherapist for quite some time. Um, a little over two decades. <laughs> and yeah, so I I have always really been into personal growth. I think since my early 20s, I'm somebody who has had no compunction to sort of be able to dive into the deep end of the pool uh, when it comes to personal exploration and personal growth and all of that. So that's, that's always been with me. Um, and I guess that sort of turned into a vocation. Um, a career. And so I won't give you the whole, you know, the huge uh, resume here, but, but essentially one thing led to another and essentially uh, getting here was a series of steps, training, all kinds of work around making my focus uh, relationships, right? So couples, uh, difficult guys, but just guys in general, I've always had a I've always had a proclivity towards working with men, understanding really, you know, the sort of the inner workings of guys and what makes them tick uh, and helping them to kind of, you know, be more liberated. So to the degree that I've been or become more liberated through the work that I've done, my own personal work, I want to share that. That's the kind of world I want to live in is to see guys come out of their shells, right? Come out of the man box, right? The one that is so constrictive and restrictive to uh, what allows us to just be who we are. And so having broken through a lot of those barriers myself, of course, it's something I want to share. I don't just want to keep that to myself. So the whole purpose is is to bring that into relationships. So I help guys who are relationally challenged in some way shape or form and guys who are you know feeling frustrated uh mm-hmm. stressed out absolutely you know just disconnected uh inadequate right about their ability to show up in relationship and what i help them do is essentially you know feel more confident skilled right uh equipped and and essentially more connected to their partners right and that it's possible 
that even though guys, we are not given a great start, right, as far as how we're socialized, uh, it is absolutely possible to uh, learn how to be more relational, to create more connection, have great relationships, uh, and be healthy at doing it. But my real mission here, I would have to say, is uh, is really making a difference on the planet and uh, helping guys come into the power of their hearts. Right? I know sound, that sounds a little woo-woo or cliche, but really, it's 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 a deep down mission for me is having the uh, the two sides, well, the heart and the power. Right? Guys, really, a lot of guys uh, identify with that whole power issue. And so, but bringing that, you know, redefining that, reframing that is something that can allow them to show up more in their relationships in the way that families, relationships, women, uh, partnership in general needs them to. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I'm feeling really excited after, after hearing you say all of those things. And I don't know if, I know you said like a part of what you're ultimately here to do is change the world. And I don't know if you've heard this from anybody, but you are, you are. And, you know, to have men teaching the world, teaching others about men and somebody teaching men about relationships. And I just love what you said that this can be learned Um, because I see so many people and, you know, I'm, I'm mostly sitting in that millennial realm of the 30-somethings that are just defeated in relationship because they truly believe, like, at our cores, this is how men are. This is how women are. When really it's like going inside and looking at that conditioning and looking at where we learned to do relationship the way we do. And that we do have the ability to create empowered shifts and function differently. So this is so exciting to hear you say this. Yeah, I think it really does break the mold of uh, people who are jaded, <laughs> I think, because they're bad experiences with guys who the guy, you know, the parts of the population where the old guard basically runs the show, where guys are still pretty much very constricted, kind of uni- unidimensional, you know, invulnerable and sort of abide by that code. And there's still a, a huge part of the population that lives by it. What's giving hope, I think, to you know people in your cohort is people who I see on a daily basis, people who are actually believing that uh, they can learn something different. If you learn something, you can unlearn it. Oof, yeah, absolutely true. Absolutely true. Well, yes, and, and take me back. To, I want to talk more about some of those common misconceptions that you see people have, I guess, male and female, any gender, all genders, what are common misconceptions that you see about men in relationships or just men in general? Yeah, well, occasionally I will get the disgruntled woman who just says, well, that's just who he is. And so I'm going forward and he can do whatever he wants to do. So there's often this sort of like, sort of sweeping him to the side because he has proven himself to be completely uninterested in doing what it takes to look at himself. So there's often that critique from women is the the guy who refuses to take the mirror and just do a little bit of this to his benefit, right? For his own enlightened self-interest. And so there is there's definitely a lot of that. There's a lot of women who complain that guys are just emotionless. They're just totally stoic. Um, and that's that's it. That's all they are. Woo, yes. 
and they're as deep as a puddle. <laughs> right? There's not much to guys. They're really simple, mm-hmm. um, which is really a caricature that has been, you know, put out there that is just couldn't be farther from the truth uh, with the guys that I see. There is great depths in men. Yes, you see the great depths, but I guess as I even think about my own history and gosh, I say this all the time, if I hadn't gone down that path of becoming a therapist and getting into this whole realm of like relational awareness, I probably would have continued down that path of believing the same. Because I guess the reality is, is due to the conditioning, due to the socialization, um, men oftentimes can present in that way. You don't see them cry a lot. You don't see them expressing um, in an emotionally literate fashion, you know? So I don't know, just putting that out there because you're saying these things are not inherently the truth about men. And I completely agree, but so many people still see that. Yes. And the sad part about it is that because a lot of guys do, you know, the consequences of appearing, you know, of jumping out of the man box or the old guard, you know, protocol of being a guy, what it is to be a guy has serious consequences. Right. And, and depending on which part of the world you, you live in, those consequences uh, can be pretty, um, pretty negative. And so there's a lot of guys who are just not willing to speak the truth or be who they are or be authentic uh, for fear of coming across uh, as feminine, as something that a man shouldn't be. And so that's, I think that's where a lot of those notions that women have about men, right, is that guys are kind of stuck in this cage of presenting in a certain way or feeling like they have to uh, in order to be accepted by both genders. That makes so much sense. That makes so much sense. Uh And the consequence of making shifts and out of the man box, as you're saying, and into this more relational life and introspective life could bring great results, but also comes at the cost of maybe letting go of certain aspects of that position, that role that have actually worked for them or helped them reach certain levels of success or, or whatever in their life. So it's not as simple as I'm, I'm going to become more skilled in my relationships today. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's not just, uh, you know, it's not just learning a few new moves, right. To be able to dazzle their wives and their partners it's um we're we're talking about complete transformation here and and nothing less than that will do we're talking you know when i work with guys i I let them know like okay uh i can be nice uh or i can help you save your marriage um which do you want (laughs) um because it's you know the chips are down right and Women, I think, are getting more assertive with what they want. Uh, that's certainly what I helped him do, right, as a way of sort of leveraging the guy's intentions uh, and his motivation. And it, it takes a lot sometimes to get guys to embark, right, to buy in to that whole process. Absolutely. And I'm wondering, like, what is it typically that gets a guy to buy into this process? Because I know I want to ask you about like, who do you see in your office? Who do you tend to work with? And you mentioned like, sometimes it's prompted by the woman that's fed up and she's over it. And she's just like, he is just not X, Y, Z. 
And so there's already that dynamic of maybe the guy feeling pushed into this space that he did not even ask to be in. Um, So I'm wondering, like, with which men does it stick this idea of, you know, I can be nice to you or I can help you have a better relationship. The ones that go in and say, "Okay, yes, I'm down. (laughs) Yeah, well, there's certainly a big part of the population, I think, that is characterized by what you just said. Right. The guys who you know are being dragged into and given an ultimatum. It's like it's either this or this, buddy. You know, uh, time to time to wake up. So there's a big part of that too, but there's also guys who are fed up with themselves, right? Presenting in a certain way. Uh, mm. Here, up in this region where I work, there's there's a lot of guys who are seeing themselves not showing up in the way that they want to show up in their relationships, and so whether you know that's parenting uh, or being a spouse. So that's, you know, I do see a fair amount of guys who are just coming from their own motivation, from their own reasons of, I just don't like, you know, the way I'm coming across. What a pivotal space to be in for a guy or really for anybody to be like, ooh, I don't like me in this. I'm not okay with who I am and how I am showing up in parenting and relationship and whatever. That, that was huge to hear. Yeah, it's hopeful. It's hopeful. And, and thankfully, I'm, I'm very grateful, actually, that I get a lot of those guys. So that does tend to color my perception of what's going on out there as far as guys seeking out help, counseling, mental health resources. Whereas somebody else in another region, say the United States uh, or even other parts of Canada, that may not have you know that same optimism. <laughs> Or that same view of guys based on their experience of their of their client. With all the work that I do, I just happen to get. I I do get both. I'd have to say I get the the guys who are being you know pushed, pushed rather hard, and I'm getting the guys who are self motivated. Right. So it sounds like it is a mix, and I'm wondering for those guys that end up in your space with you who have kind of been pushed there. Is there still hope for a guy like that, <laughs> for the lack of not sounding terrible there, but is there still hope for him to become relationally minded, to transform, to, you know, get into this healthier place? Good question. Uh, at a certain time, I would have asked myself the same question, right? God, is there hope for these guys? So, but I think you know, in the advent of, of, of taking on RLT as, as a modality, right, as a way of working with guys, uh, that question is more easily answered. And so it is possible because, you know, when you consider, you know, the density of the conditioning, right, that is put upon guys, right, to not be relational, to not even want to be relational. Or let alone having the skills to do it. That's how, you know, guys are, are, males are conditioned to be very disconnected from themselves and everyone else from a very young age, right? That, of course, being considered normal. And so as adults now, we're, you know, we're trying to reverse that whole, you know, programming and conditioning. So it often takes what I call the um, two by four across the head intervention. 
<laughs> Tell us more. <laughs> <laughs> well, sometimes I don't particularly like using this intervention, but every now and then it's it's necessary where again I come across as well I can be nice or I can help you save your marriage. Which would you prefer? And so there I will use some leverage, right? So if this doesn't change, what do you think will happen? Right? And I ask and I ask his spouse, right? Well, if nothing changes, if he doesn't change, nothing changes, what's gonna happen? So when we put those kinds of questions to people and really help them face the reality of somebody not willing to change, right, then uh, hard decisions start to come into the mix pretty quick. And so often guys, you know, care, care very much about their relationships, about their children, about belonging to a family and not being put out into the cold. So that two by four uh, intervention uh, often does the trick. Not always, but I'd say for the most part it does. Sounds like a bit of a process, you know, to helping people wake up and and to really see where they're headed if nothing changes. And I I know you're mentioning the RLT stuff, and that's something that really stood out to me was how it's like you as the professional in there, you do take that stance towards helping them uh, be on the side of healthy intimacy, healthy relationship, and. So you're going to say the direct things that help them really see mm-hmm. where they're headed. And it sounds like that really lands for some people. It does. And the other message, too, I think is just um, like you're going to live longer. Right. I tell that to the guy. Right. I, mm-hmm. I, sometimes I'll pull out the stats card and, and, and wave that one to them. It's like your lifespan. Right. Uh, as a single guy. Right. Is likely going to be five to ten years less. Being in a healthy, egalitarian relationship is going to help. It's going to promote your longevity and you're going to live longer. So I throw that into the mix as well. And, you know, that seems to, you know, arouse some interest with some guys. Like, Oh, okay. Uh, Didn't really think about that. And so, yeah, you're right. It's, It's all about bringing a bunch of things to their awareness, to their consciousness that allows them to take that first step. Obviously, a lot of what you find yourself working with to help men become more relational, more in connection with themselves, as you mentioned earlier, it, it it derives from the conditioning, the man box, what men and the world and our culture, I think, have been taught. Like, this is how to raise men. This is how we should treat men. This is what a man should do. I'm just curious to to ask you like in in your years of doing this work are there a few of those messages i'm thinking back to like childhood and stuff a few of those pieces of the conditioning that just stand out as the biggest ones to kind of break through absolutely yeah there's a pretty high percentage uh or ratio of the message of not good enough um so the whole self-worth mm. issue, you know, and this exists both in men and women, but you know, the guy version of this is most guys, I think, were brought up with the experience of shame and having been shamed in some way. And so that never getting 
corrected or healed from, guys will bring that into their adulthood. And that is a big part of what prevents mm-hmm. them from even wanting to be connected. Because wanting to be connected or the, the experience of closeness itself will inevitably bring them in close proximity to that wound that happens many, many years ago that is still there, yeah. just been fossilized right in their system. And uh, there's a lot of guys who will not face that, who refuse to face that. And then there are some guys who are like, if it's for my mm-hmm. kids, absolutely. No problem. I, I will do that for them. Right. And so guys really mm. sort of muster up the courage to face that kind of wound, which I think is, is by and large, you know, the, the biggest one that a lot of guys are facing. Yeah. That, you know, there's different versions of that, but essentially it centers around that essential shame core of I'm not good enough. I'm inadequate. I don't know how to do this. Nobody loves me anyway. So why bother trying putting myself out there? Uh, I can't be myself because myself i believe is a piece of shit so what's the point of of doing that so there's a lot of those sort of one downing mm-hmm. uh positions and stances that guys take which is so interesting cuz i think just culturally we can really tend to put guys up on this very negative pedestal what's the whole grandiosity thing of being the asshole the narcissist this notion of toxic masculinity, you know, I wanted to ask you about that. Mm-hmm. Um, like just what you think about that. Is that real? And how does that come into the conversation? No, that's a good question. I think it depends on who you're talking to, but I think, you know, in this culture anyway, uh, mm-hmm. in Canada, this is a huge conversation. Um, yes. Toxic masculinity is real. It does exist. Uh, you can, anybody who has ever been healed from it, uh, can smell it, right? It's like becoming, you know, you're, you know, getting over smoking, mm. <laughs> right? If you were a former smoker, uh, and then when you're around that, it's like, Oh, wow. There's such an adverse reaction. Um, so guys similarly who have been out of that way of thinking for a while can as soon as they, they come across and it's like oh god that's who i was um so this this repulsion of toxic masculinity which is essentially this sort of wow yeah that's that's what i see uh there's a real repulsion uh to this oppressive version of strength and that somebody feels the need to have to throw their weight around in order to to matter, to somehow matter to people, to appear, you know, in a certain way, which we know is like the core of the false self, right? This mm-hmm. falsely empowered way of being in the world that just doesn't get someone anywhere. Um, I mean, you know, maybe on the ladder uh, of Wall Street and the government, right? If right. is on the on the trajectory of wanting, you know, power and success, sure. But how how fulfilling are their relationships? How are their relationships with their kids, you know? It's like even looking at, to those examples, I don't know that uh, we would look to that as real relational success. It is. It's, it's power. It's control. It's all those things. But, you know, what I think is so interesting and how you explained that thing of the core wound of really it being about shame in a lot of ways 
as I as you were talking about that, and I'm thinking about this notion of toxic masculinity and men are so awful and they're so angry and blatant and can be so grandiose. Like you're really saying like at the core of that is this deeper rooted issue of shame. And and so am I hearing you correctly that it's like when you're in that place of shame and inherently your worth is like, I'm a piece of shit, I'm nothing. Then you find external markers, external things to kind of give you that false sense of self, like performing really well or making a ton of money or buying, you know, five sports cars or like, like people, do you kind of compensate, overcompensate for what you feel is missing on that deep level that you're not even aware of? Yeah, I think that's true. Uh, there's these, you know, self-esteem, these external sources of self-esteem, I think, the the guys who, who have been shamed. And a lot of these guys, you know, as a way of, of being able to get out of this sense of shame, which feels absolutely horrible. It is the worst thing that I think one can feel. And so as a way of, you know, guys having very, very little tolerance for that will learn to go one up. And it's kind of what, what we were just talking about, trying to get out there what they feel they're missing, whether that's wealth, whether that's, you know, acquisition, you know, a beautiful wife, uh, money, status, I mean, all of that stuff that, you know, is trying in some way trying to fill that hole. And so, yeah, it, it can become a, an endless search for that. And guys will live and die on that ladder, right, of trying to compensate, right, for that shame, mm. instead of actually just really taking a look, right? And for some guys, that feels like worse than death, right? That's something I'd, I'd rather die <laughs> than, you know, stand at the precipice of that cliff and actually, you know, take a look. Mm. And it's so interesting that when guys actually do that, it's, you know, they don't die, Right? Life doesn't end. <laughs> if anything, you know, they they start to yeah, it's painful for sure. But it's something that is actually, you know, they start to get more freed up, right? They start to feel a little better in their own body, right? In their own skin. These toxic forms of masculinity are very well, they're hard to break because they're of course they're supported by our culture, right? As you just so eloquently said. So uh breaking with that narrative breaking with that story is a very th difficult thing to do especially for one guy as an individual because guys i think often will feel isolated um there's a lot of lone wolves out there uh who take great pride in being a lone wolf you mean like lone wolves that are trying to be better but don't feel like they have a space to go to be like surrounded by other men who want the same? Lone wolves, I think, that feel that they're out in the cold. Lone wolves that are just doing what they're doing, and then somewhere life pushes them uh, into my office, <laughs> and you know we start talking about things, and then inevitably the conversation comes around to, is this what's going on, right? Uh, I, I might you know put up the mirror there and sort of focus that on on him and say, well. Do you have this? Is this something that you struggle with? And for a lot of guys, it's like, oh my God, yeah, this, you know, you kind of nailed it um, as the source to why I'm such a lone wolf. 
right? I'd rather be a lone wolf, right, than have to face the complexity or how, you know, effed up I am on the inside, right? Because that's what relationships do. So guys having had that experience in relationships don't want any more of that. I'm done with that, you know? Yeah, so it's more of a, I I don't, right, like I don't want to, look at that, that I'm, I'm standing at the edge of the cliff. That looks painful. That looks like no fun. So maybe leaning to more of a disconnect and I'm, I mean, yeah. And I'm sure you see the news on what we deal are dealing with here, just with the violence piece and mass shootings and things like that. And it's very interesting to be in this realm of, therapists where we're having these conversations about how how far that that experience of disconnection to self to others can maybe take things yeah it's 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 pretty scary um i'd heard somebody say once that all human problems can be pretty much boiled down to one essential thing and that's just a lack of self-worth. When I heard that, I was like, yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Um, especially with guys, I, in terms of what we, what we don't give them uh, to grow up with. Experiences we don't, you know, we don't give them. Right, right. Yeah, yeah. You know, I'm in one of the RLT coaching groups. I'm in one of the RLT coaching groups and uh, the facilitator, Kim Plusart, she talks a lot. She she talks a lot about that, how even for her, she's like gotten even more into parenting stuff with her couples, like mm-hmm. teaching parents how to raise children out of these kind of conditionings and expectations that we put, especially related to the gender scripts. But you know what? I wanted to ask you, um, Jack, because you, when we spoke before this, this particular conversation, you know, you were talking about this thing of integration work Mm. and it sounds super relevant and that this is a huge piece of what you do with men in your work. And we were talking a little bit about this piece of integrating the masculine with the feminine. And I just want you to kind of talk about that because I think even hearing me say that listeners are probably not super familiar with it or feel confused or it becomes this thing of masculine with the feminine. Like, so we're demasculating men, like what's happening here? So what is that? Well, it's a good question. So it, I think in this times of polarization, right, where things are so polarized, it, it's very easy to look at things in a binary way. So the integration part is certainly something that's been a part of my own journey, having grown up in a, a family where there was a lot of toxic toxic masculinity and a very, you know, sort of traditional way of being a male. And so I came from that healed from that, had to work on that. And so that's something that's, you know, near and close to my heart as far as my own process. And so being able to teach it or facilitate it uh, has just become a part of my work, an integral part of my work. So it became most concrete in a retreat that I was trained to run uh, and facilitate called The Inner Journey. And this was so almost 20 years ago, I started facilitating this. And 
essentially this retreat, the philosophy really is about becoming whole. Um, it's great. Terry talks about this too, right? In RLT, right? The whole goal here is to become whole. So for guys in the traditional sense, yes, there's a huge fear of being seen uh, or known as anything other than masculine, right? That being known as feminine in some way is just like a scarlet mm-hmm. letter is being put on your head. And so there's a real fear with that. And so we, mm-hmm. this program actually puts out the value of, in order for one to be, to live life to its fullest, to be the most present, to be the most passionate, right? Uh, and show up in your life. It's about integration. It's about being able to see those parts of you that you learned to disown, uh, to get some of them back, right? To see which ones are perhaps are still there, right? So the guy's feminine side is something that is um, shown to him. And basically the message is this is not about becoming less of a man. It's not about diminishing your strength. It's not about diminishing your ferocity. Uh, all of those things that kind of make you, you know, have your edge, right, as a guy. It's about making you bigger in all dimensions. Yeah. Right? As opposed to reduction of who you are. And so the, that's really the, the, the heart of the integration message here and what we, what we promote uh, with this retreat. And that's, you know, in my work, right? It's about it's going to make you better at much more things than you are now. Okay? So there's the part of you that's the warrior. Uh, that needs to go out, needs to be strong, needs to be ruthless sometimes, needs to be fierce, uh, strong, and all of those things. And that's fine, right? Out in the world, sometimes, you know, guys need to, to, to do that. So in other words, you know, metaphorically, they need to wave their sword. But when they come home, right, they, put, they have to put the sword away, right? Then it's time for the family man, right, or the generous gentleman to come out. Um, and the warrior is not needed anymore, right? It's it's this other part of the guy. So integration is really about having access to parts of you uh, when you need it to be loving, sensitive, tender, gentle, caring, right? When the situation calls for it, and I think most women, you know, healthy women are looking for that in men. They're looking for that healthy integration. Right? They want guys to be guys and do manly things. Right? They just don't want to be oppressed by it. Right? And so guys, I think, you know, learning to kind of cultivate this other side of themselves, mm. uh, I think, helps to accommodate that need in women right? who, who want to get closer to guys, but of course can't do it when a guy has just a, you know, a wall of, I don't want to be feminine when that's running the show. Right. Well, and I'm sure you see some of this play out with couples that you see, like you're, you're, when a man does wade into that area and say like, yes, integration. All right, let's do it. And they start to maybe become more intimate, more emotional, just that, that depth that starts to experience. And then for like a heteronormative couple dynamic here for a woman, I see women 
sometimes in that place go like, whoa, 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 whoa. <laughs> like they're perpetuating this notion of your emotions are weakness. Why are you doing that? You're supposed to be strong. You're supposed to be the the warrior X, Y, Z, all those things that women say they want of a man that when a man starts to become more intentional about deepening himself, it's like kind of scares the woman. <laughs> so it's an adjustment, I guess, for for all members of the relationship, the partnership. Yeah, that is true. That is true. I mean, you know, when you think about what patriarchy does to everyone, uh, we all get brainwashed, right? That invulnerability, not even just for men, for women too, right? I mean, they'll buy into that whole thing as well. Mm -hmm. Women going into a man's world or into the mm -hmm. industry where they feel like they have to be more masculine and essentially disown their femininity, right? We work with that too, right, in the yeah. journey and helping women own that that feminine quality that, that they have, which often, you know, patriarchy forces them to kind of let go of. So, yes, within, you know, I think the, the culture that we're in mm -hmm. and patriarchy still being a pretty uh, big influence, it's about convincing people to swim upstream, right? It's the salmon who, who swim upstream. Um, and are you know seeking something else, and it it does take that kind of conscious, intentional energy to know what your conditioning is and leaving it behind. Or what I uh, you know another teacher of mine used to say: mm. transcend and include it. Right to transcend and include it, because we can't break those wow. people off of ourselves. Where we have to bring them with us. Um, not like you can amputate your arm. <laughs> I love that. Wow, that's amazing. Sure, it's in, it's untangling from the notions that don't serve you relationally, but you're not, yeah, you're not like amputating parts of yourself. You're never going to forget the history. You're never going to forget the journey. It's expansion, integration, and including who you have been in that process. That's really amazing. This has been such a great conversation. I hearing you talk, I'm like, oh my gosh, I I feel this so much as far as like being a millennial, being in relationship, knowing that we want a certain kind of partnership, generally speaking, and but not feeling like we have the tangible skills and tools to get there. And it is so cool to hear you talking about this because you've been doing this work for quite a while. And to me, it's very hopeful and hope inducing for, for men and women, because it's like the solution is already there. It's about finding your fellow traveler, finding somebody like you, Jack, finding somebody to help guide you into that process. We didn't learn this stuff in school. We don't get these tools um, at our jobs. So this is very much a personal undertaking that you have to decide you want to get down with and say yes to. Yes. Yeah, and everybody has their way of coming to that decision. Um, and life, right, mm -hmm. uh, will push different people in different ways to come to that decision and to realize that, oh, you know, I can be more than what I was set out to be. And so, yeah, somebody might like me, I really am a, you know, a cheerleader, a stand for that more of who they can be and the potential, right, that is inherent within all of us to realize and develop and that's that's a really big message around the integration it's like you were meant to, to be so uh fully human 
right? That the man thing, right, is kind of secondary, right? It's you were a human first, right? You were male second. Uh, for a lot of guys, they need to kind of get over that uh, that split. And so that's something that's been extremely helpful for me in terms of redefining, mm. right, who and what I am, right? I'm a human first. I got conditioned as a male second. I came into this world as a human. And so uh, the path of integration is really about being more focused on realizing your innate potential for for everything, not only its connection, uh, connection, you know, realizing all of your gifts, your talents, uh, what you were meant to do here on the planet is super important. So it's that unrealized potential that I think most people are afraid of not developing, of not realizing. So that's what I help them do when they come into my offices. I sort of point that to them, like, you have the potential here, which I think most people find empowering. Absolutely. I can only imagine how that moment must feel for guys in your office that can hear you kind of shine this different way of thinking and, and being in their life. And for those that say yes to the to the process, how how incredibly empowering that must feel. And mm, that's great. So wow, I'm like, okay, Jack, you have to come back on this podcast again because <laughs> You're so versed in these things. It's really fun to hear you talk about this stuff. Clearly, you have been doing this work professionally, personally. And I just, I really mean it when I say like our our culture, our society, our world needs more people like you that are kind of putting this message out there because it's where we're headed. We're just not there 100% yet. So how can people find you? Give us your contact information. I want listeners to definitely know what you're up to, what offerings you've got going, anything like that, and just right. where they can find you out there. Sure. Uh, so you can reach me by email, uh, jacklaff, J-A-C-K-L-A-F, at magma.ca. It's probably the best way to do it. Uh, I also have a Facebook page, and I will often put posts up there uh, in contributions to it that I think people can also contact me. So it's uh, the relationship sensei. Perfect. And we will put links to um, your Facebook page and we can even put your email down in the show notes so that anybody listening, if you want to hop over there and grab those links so you can reach out to Jack directly, just land right in his inbox. You can do that. Yeah. There you go. Well, I've, I've also really, really enjoyed the conversation, Liz. And, you know, it really is about, I appreciate the opportunity to kind of get the message out there. I know you're committed to, you know, um, this, you know, this kind of message as well, getting out there clearly. Wonderful. Well, thanks so much. I look forward to some future conversations with you. Thanks for listening to today's episode. If you like what you're hearing, be sure to leave us a review. If you're interested in learning more, you can find me at millennialrelationships.com and on Facebook and Instagram. You can also join our online Facebook community. Just search Millennial Relationships with Liz Higgins. I'm going live every week to talk with you about your relationship, wellness, and practice. I look forward to seeing you in there. Thank you.